0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of the Carrier's Edge podcast. I am Carrier's Edge co-founder Mark Morel, and joined today by...
1: Jane Jezraoui, other co-founder of Carrier's Edge.
0: As usual. I wonder if we really need to do those introductions, since it's the two of us every single time. It's not like a big reveal, who's going to be on the show <laughs> this week. Who's going to be hosting it this week? Okay. Yeah. Big mystery. I think we'll still do it anyway because it's habit now.
1: Yeah. And also it's it's uh, tradition. You should introduce yourselves. Yeah, Just in case.
0: Yeah, just in case. For all the new people coming in. Mm-hmm. And I think this is going to be our last uh, podcast before a summer break. Uh, so we've got a few things to catch up on and we can talk about our big exciting plans over the summer. And then when we come back in the fall, we'll see how many of those we actually did. Yeah. What percentage of them got abandoned partway through? So with that lovely opening, and I should also clarify that I threw Jane off just before we started this thing. I said, okay, last time you talked about this, so don't talk about those things. So now the only thing going through her head is those things, because that's (laughs) what I've put in her head.
1: Don't talk about the elephant.
0: Yes, what elephant? Yes, Uh, exactly. So... We do have some updates. We do have some things that have been happening, and we have some things that are coming soon. So uh, I think in terms of recent activities, you, was it last week or two weeks ago, you visited uh, Myrtle Beach. Oh,
1: that's right. Did I? I guess that's... Um,
0: you were heading there last time.
1: Oh, Okay. I couldn't remember, but yes, I went to South Carolina. I drove from Raleigh-Durham Airport all the way down to Myrtle Beach, and uh, it was a beautiful area, absolutely gorgeous, and I'd never been to Myrtle Beach before. Mm -hmm. So, I attended the South Carolina Trucking Association annual meeting, and it was quite interesting because I was sort of a uh, threesome, Mm. and... It was me talking about training, and then Tim Hines from Stay Metrics talking about driver retention and doing surveys in aid of that. And Don Ostenberg, who was talking uh, basically just about sort of retention and um, strategies for improving that. So all three of us were sort of talking about the same thing because I was talking about how you can use training as a retention strategy. Hmm. Which a lot of people I don't know if they really think of, but people when you go through training, you're the first person the trainer is one of the first people to see a new a new hire. Mm-hmm. And so how the company presents its training and orientation and how they continue with orien- uh, continue with training throughout the driver's career is going to make a big difference in retention because that's one of the people that a driver has constant access to.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, interesting.
1: I did that. I went and looked at the ocean for a little bit and, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all these people who are, you know, sunbathing and swimming and stuff like that. And I'm sort of happy that I brought shorts hmm. because, uh, I sort of walked down on the beach, but it was, yeah, you
0: don't want to be walking down to the beach uh, like that with your conference clothes on no. when everybody else is in bathing suits. And
1: it was last minute. I was thinking, oh, I should probably bring shorts just in case.
0: <laughs> just in case it's yeah. hot in June in Myrtle beach.
1: Yeah. Well, I was only there, I think I was there for maybe 36 like, hours. Yeah. So I think that's
0: probably end to end.
1: Yeah. Including but it, the flights. Yeah. It was really nice though. Hmm. So, and it was a, it was a nice meeting. We got to have dinner with, um, the night before, um, we had dinner with the executive of the association and, um, including the ATA chairman. Hmm. And so that was nice to, you know, meet him and, uh, chit chat about, you know, I, I really realized how different it is down there in terms of just politics and how people live and just what you talk about. It's, it's really different. Sometimes it's like feeling like going to a different country.
0: Well, you are going to a different country.
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, but like going somewhere overseas, Ah. it was cool though. It was, um, I always find this when I go to the South. That it's it's very very different. It's different. It's different in a lot of ways that you don't really even think about when you're up here, mm-hmm. up in the north.
0: Hmm. Yeah, very cool. The
1: fact that they don't have snow yeah. informs a lot of things that yeah. you don't really think about when you have seasons and you have to have so much preparation for different seasons. Yeah, I find that the most bizarre thing mm-hmm. that oh you don't you pretty much just have. Warm and not so warm.
0: Well, they have what they call winter, it's just we would call it spring. You know, it does get cooler. Yeah. It's not the same temperature all the time.
1: Yeah, but they're not getting snow. Well they get no. they get hurricanes. Yeah. So I guess that's the trade off. Yeah. We get blizzards, they, they get, get hurricanes. They, they had an
0: ice storm down there a few years ago. Did they? Yeah.
1: So people have been getting ice storms in the States yeah. all over the place. Yeah. Weird in really weather. weird places. Yeah. So the Hmm. Climate change is, is coming.
0: Yeah. So your content from that presentation, uh, focusing on the cultural impacts of training, mm-hmm. is that going to show up anywhere else? Is that going to turn into an article or something or a story somewhere?
1: It is. I believe it's going to be a fleet owner.
0: Oh, in their idea exchange. Yeah. Excellent.
1: It's going to be in that. So okay. you had a you had a column in fleet on in the idea exchange as well.
0: Yes, I had one just this recently. Week. Yeah, it was sort of uh, patching together a few ideas from a different, a couple of different places. Uh, and that uh, that was good. I think that was yesterday uh, it came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in terms of columns, yes, one of the things that I wanted to sort of reflect on in this session is uh, my business with columns and. The fact that I seem to have uh, struck a nerve with a recent LinkedIn article. Oh yes, uh, the I driver can, window. I opened a can of worms with a, I basically having an article that posed the question of: Is there ever any good place for a driver window in a company? Is there? Does it ever make sense to have a wall separating drivers and the rest of the company, and um, basically lock them out and have them come up to this window to get their job assignments? And to me, there is no good reason for it. It's the stupidest thing. It's like having somebody pick up an order at a drive-thru, like you're at Starbucks or McDonald's or something. I don't see any point of it. And if drivers are the ones that are basically the sole generators of revenue in the business, why wouldn't you let them into the building? Uh, But lots of people don't. And this is what sort of struck me as... I come across even best fleets, sometimes they'll be talking about, oh, open door this and open door that. And then they'll make some reference to drivers at the window or drivers at the counter. And I'm like, that doesn't add up for me. It just, uh, uh, I couldn't reconcile it. So I threw an article out there and said, Hey, does anybody ever have any reason? Is there a good business reason for this? That maybe I'm missing. Um, and uh, it seemed to have uh, struck a nerve because it got a, lot of, uh, got a lot of impressions, a lot of views, a lot of comments. I think you know, usually when I write one of these LinkedIn articles, I may get two to three comments. Often I get none. I just get a few likes and things like that. This one had like 40 or 50 comments and people commenting on each other's posts. And of course, a, a pissing match in the middle of it, uh, as is always the case in comment threads. People have to be uh, dumping on each other for one reason or another.
1: It was funny because I saw it and I saw that when I first noticed the post, because I don't always, I don't always, you know, breathlessly, yeah, I'm not always, oh wait, Mark's LinkedIn article is coming out today. I've got to go see it. Uh, So I did, I did read it and because i knew you had been writing it and i knew that you were talking about the driver window and i wanted to see what you said because sometimes you don't tell me what you're gonna say Mm -hmm. so i went to look at it and i noticed oh my gosh there's comments (laughs) yeah and when i told you about it because you were like really there's comments people are commenting well like the
0: first day there was comments
1: yeah well that was because i read it pretty much after i was like less than 12 hours after it was published because you published it the night before and I read it first thing in the morning and I saw that there were comments. I, like I read it once and read those comments, which I think there were about seven <laughs> and that was a lot for yeah. one of your LinkedIn articles and then, uh, but I had no idea you had 30 or 40 now?
0: I think at last it was 48 or something like that. Uh, so.
1: so what's the, what's the overall feeling? Well, uh-
0: My, and this is going to be my next, my follow-up article next week. It's kind of summarizing the feedback, but um, I still have not seen any good reason for the window. (laughs) Uh, There's lots of people that are kind of in agreement that it's an outdated thing, that it doesn't, doesn't fit the way the culture of trucking works anymore, especially if you're trying to make drivers feel included and make them feel valuable. It doesn't really fit. The people that had comments sort of in favor of it and they weren't necessarily, um, supporting it, but, uh, explaining why it has existed in different companies. Um, not really things that I think are good reasons. Um, one is you can't have a bunch of drivers coming in and disrupting other people. So you got to keep them separated. Um, which is dumb. And number two, well, uh, I've seen the driver window, save some jaws and save some noses. Uh, because drivers have been known to throw a punch or two. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So your solution to that is to put up a wall? Solve that problem. Why are people so angry that they're coming in and wanting to be violent? Why do you employ people that are violent? Well,
1: violence in the workplace is not supposed to be tolerated. That's a yeah, that's, so that's we don't a tolerate huge issue. It. We
0: put them on the other side of a wall. Uh, uh, well, if there's a wrong way to solve a problem, people will find it. So my follow-up is going to be, uh, I'm not exactly sure. I'm going to have to turn that into something positive. I try not to have just a complete outright rant in these articles, but that is not the right way to solve the problem.
1: Well, there's a number of different things that are wrong with it, Um, but I come back to the same thing as you. you. How are you allowing people, how is that tolerated, that people think that they can even get away with it? or that there's no other way to solve that problem. Like what about the open door policy that everybody goes on about? Yeah. You know, I guess that means that you can open the door, come and smack someone.
0: (laughs) If we let you in. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, But at the same time, the, the other reason sort of disruption and too many people around and noise and all of that other stuff that is better solved by other means as well. I mean, that's, it's not solved in the best way by putting a wall between those people explain to those people that there are others that are working and you've got to respect that. Mm -hmm. We are going to respect you in your job as a driver. You need to respect us and the work that we're doing. But also design your office so that the people that aren't doing kind of frontline work with drivers aren't sitting right inside the door.
1: Yeah, don't have accounting right inside the door where everybody can see their screen because it's not going to be just... Drivers looking at their yeah. screen is gonna be everybody. Yeah,
0: have your driver relations people, driver services people inside the door and have space for them to interact.
1: Well have some driver services people yeah. to talk to. Have yeah. have a give drivers the sense that they know who to go to see and if they're upset, what to do about that. Like what is the the procedure for, you know filing a complaint or, you know, Letting off steam, or I don't know what it is, but if people are angry, then that's a real issue.
0: Well, even if they're not angry, you know, they're just chatty.
1: Well, um, yeah, if they're, t- and there's always chatty people. But in But also,
0: I think people need to recognize that if your workforce is constantly away from the office out on their own, they need to have some way to sort of balance that. So when they come into the office, they're going to need some channel where they can have a discussion, where they can chat with people and feel like part of a community. Mm -hmm. So they're not disrupting you when they come in and do that. That's just part of their job. And recognizing that that's a necessary part of them doing their job well, you want to provide that in some mechanism for them. So it's the dispatcher's job, it's the manager's job, you know, fleet manager, company owner, whatever, it certainly behooves them to take the time to chat with drivers and make them feel good. If, if they need to tell you about their problems, then fine. Because that's what the, is required for them to deliver the goods, figuratively and literally, uh, at the best of their abilities. So one you got to have that uh, option for them.
1: Well, one of the things that we always emphasize when we're talking about best fleets is that are you treating your staff the same way as you're treating your drivers Mm -hmm. and one of the things that's a benefit of having your staff go to a fixed location every day and everybody sees each other that you get to know them and you get to know what's going on in their lives and if there are problems then You deal with them, but on a much more gradual basis. So people may have complaints and may have problems and you would talk about them maybe for five or 10 minutes a day. But when you have a driver who's been out of the office for two or three weeks.
0: It's all bunched up.
1: It's all bunched up and they still need to have that talk. Right. But they don't have anybody to necessarily talk to. And if there is nobody, if everybody says, oh, I'm too busy, you're kind of getting on my nerves, then a driver is not going to feel like they're part of something or supported. that anybody cares. Well, And it, I think that's where a lot of that nobody cares yeah. comes from.
0: Well, it's interesting you mentioned that you know, treating drivers like office staff. And I think there is a double-edged sword to that as well. Is One is that you want the drivers to be able to have access the same as office people do. You want them to have consistent access. But the flip side of that is you can't necessarily evaluate them on the same scale as you do with office staff because of what you're just saying. Those office people are in every day. You have that culture building in bits and pieces. You have those problems and those water cooler discussions in bits and pieces, five minutes here, 10 minutes there. You don't have that with the driver. So if the driver is coming in and is chatting, it's not really fair to look at it and say, oh, this driver is such a disruption when they come back. They want to talk for half an hour. Well, that's really the same as what the office staffer is doing. It's just the is doing it all at once rather than in bits and pieces. Yeah, that's
1: what I just said. Yeah,
0: so you have to recognize that. You have to recognize that they can't be evaluated on the same scale. They have to be sort of looked at within the context of their own world. Um, so. And
1: I'm sure drivers can be annoying just as your coworkers in a, in an office can be annoying. There's mm-hmm. always someone who's chatty. There's always someone who doesn't seem to be doing any work because they're busy socializing. Um, and drivers I'm, are, are the same way. It's just the nature of a group of people mm-hmm. being together. So I guess that it, what it boils down to and what your article is going to be about is strategies to make sure that people can do their work and that they aren't disrupted because if drivers are coming in sort of not like all day, Mm -hmm. it it can be very disruptive, very, very, very much disruptive. But somebody's job needs to be to figure out what to do with that.
0: Yeah. Not to do what to
1: do with them, how to support them.
0: Don't stop them by putting a wall up. (laughs) have somebody sitting there at a desk whose job is to chat with them and see how things are going yeah or have
1: like a concierge like central Central oregon Oregon their
0: concierge or not just them but lots of companies that have sort of open plan offices have driver services people as the first thing that you see when you go in there Um, and i know i'm sure when i went to visit bison's head office that's how they had it Um, They have driver services, people that are basically inside the door that drivers normally go in from, like through the main parking lot. Uh, Driver services and training people and all of that stuff is right there. And it's also close to the gym and all of that other stuff.
1: One of the other things that I'm thinking of is this is a case for email. Oh, yeah, I think. Or whatever communication you want to have with drivers so that when a driver comes in to the terminal, because we're assuming that the driver does not come to the terminal every day or even every week. So when the driver does go to a terminal, do they set up meetings? Or do people set up meetings with the driver to have, you know, if you have to have a talk about an incident or you want to have time on a simulator or you have to do training, whatever training Mm -hmm. is coming up, then you can have that interaction while the driver's on the road, set it up and everybody's expecting the driver to show up at a certain time and everybody knows what's going to happen when that arrival time happens. And then you don't get the chaos. It doesn't end up like a, like sort of an airport terminal where everybody's just coming and going.
0: Well, it also, well, you're pointing out something else that kind of makes the argument in favor of those outbound calling programs that we see that fleets are using where they're randomly calling a certain number of drivers every week and having those conversations. So there's a good chunk of drivers that are going to be talkative a lot when they get to the terminal because they haven't had a chance to talk to anybody in the several days that they've been gone. But if the company is contacting them proactively, if every couple of days they're getting a call from somebody to see how things are going, then that dissipates some of that pent up demand. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's another point in favor of programs like what NewsBomb does with the outbound calling Program every week and uh, what some of the other fleets are doing where they have management call people and driver coaches call people and just do those regular check-in kind of things
1: even texting or Facebook or something like that can be mm-hmm. you can use that as a way of getting drivers to figure out what they what they want to do and and talking and getting stuff off their chest
0: mm-hmm yeah. Well, I think I have a sense of where my article is going to go. There you go. <laughs> Here's my. You're
1: welcome.
0: Up. Yeah. So we'll see what it uh, it turns out as.
1: Well, we're we're talking you off the ledge for the rant.
0: <laughs> well, for now, we'll see. When I read the comments again, I may start ranting again.
1: Comments are always the problem with comments is that people are not great writers, and like in general, in the general sense, right? You know, you don't have uh writer gifted writers who are commenting you're having people who can string a few words together and get some meaning across in general like this is well
0: they don't put a lot of time into
1: yeah they're proofing
0: with, it they're not putting a plan together and
1: it's not an essay right so yeah. it's it's kind of like a conversation but the problem is is that most people learn how to to speak and have a conversation with people with other people and they can sort of read body language and make eye contact and do a, well, that's not really what I meant and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And you can have all of those nuances. But in comments, it's worse than now. Nah, comments are the worst because there's no body language. There's no, there's no subtlety People say things the wrong way, not really what they meant, and then somebody else jumps on it, and it's like, oh, you said this word, and this is offensive, and oh my God. It
0: reminds me of soap operas. It's like soap opera rules you never miss an opportunity to be shitty to somebody else. Yeah. You know, that's how soap operas are always written, and comments seem to follow the same rule that it doesn't matter what somebody else is doing or what the gist of their thought process might be, if there's one thing that's off, you must jump on it.
1: Yes, it must be called out. Everybody must be called out on everything. Yeah, and nothing and else it, matters. And you must also be anonymous. So you can't even say who you are. Well, yeah. that's not true for the LinkedIn comments. LinkedIn, you yeah, generally have, have and it's a little bit better behaved. But I yeah. I think I used to engage in online conversations years ago, but I stopped because I found that I wanted to make sure that I was saying exactly the right thing so that nobody would jump on it. <laughs> and and every time like I have actually engaged in a in an online conversation where somebody it was a group that it was somebody was asking for suggestions and I made a suggestion and they basically jumped on me <laughs> and it was like <laughs> okay, forget this. I am not, you know, I'm deleting this comment. I am not even looking at the conversation anymore. I'm out of here because you asked for help. Yeah. You didn't provide all the information and ask for help. And your response to my comment was kind of crappy.
0: Now you're complaining about the comments. Exactly. About the, help you, the suggestions. You got. And
1: yeah. I just feel like, okay, in, in, a, in an online format, I am not helpful. Mm-hmm. I, you know, maybe if someone sees me face to face to face, I can possibly be helpful, but I'm never, not even going there again. Mm-mm. And it's funny because remember, like really, way back in the day when comments first started getting—I mean, then now they're a new level of crazy—but when comments used to used to devolve into everybody ending up being somebody, somebody was going to be called a Nazi.
0: Yeah, Godwin's rule.
1: Yeah. And now it's you're a Russian troll. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up, bot. (laughs)
0: When everybody is a Nazi, then you have to have some way to differentiate the people that are a problem.
1: Yeah, it's it's Russian bots. Yeah. So I and I do still read comments. I do find it enlightening because you do get a sense of maybe not. I don't think. people who comment and who get really nasty about it i don't think that's really the general sense it's not really the general feeling of the population i think that's the extreme Mm -hmm. and you can get a certain sense of how people are feeling or what you know what's going on with a particular issue by reading comments but you have to be careful you cannot go too far Like, not, don't not, do not go to the second page. (laughs) Don't ever do that. Yeah. Uh, But it was interesting when we were at, uh, that conference, the tech conference, tech for good. Remember the guy from the Globe and Mail? Mm -hmm. the Globe and Mail is a Toronto or not a Toronto, it's a Canadian newspaper. It's national and it's the most conservative one. And what they did. One of the more
0: conservative ones.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a national post is very conservative as well. Um, they actually stopped letting you have comments mm-hmm. and so they shut it down for a while and then they opened it back up and they said uh only subscribers so if you're a globe subscriber you can comment yeah and the and so we heard the i can't remember what his title was but they, the publisher oh okay so the publisher of the globe and mail said that they thought that that would sort of elevate the conversation well it was their experiment Yeah, I don't think so. No. Because now it's just subscribers being crappy to each other.
0: (laughs) Well, and for a newspaper, I mean, what do you need to comment on the news for? It's news. It's supposed to disseminate information. It's not supposed to be the starting point for a discussion. That's something different. You know, the news is supposed to say, here's what's happening. And basically that's it. And the problem is that they've all devolved into opinion pieces. There's so little news that is just, here's what's happening. Uh, And the newspapers will say, well, our readers don't want that. They want context. They want opinion. They want analysis and all of that other stuff. But they've ended up chasing sponsor dollars and chasing subscribers and chasing readers to a point where they don't just provide the facts anymore. They start with the facts and then they provide a whole bunch more on top of that. And that gives people opportunity to say, well, you quoted this person instead of this person and they're biased and I don't like what you're saying, so I got to complain about it. And then you get into... Uh, the comment wars.
1: And Russian bots.
0: Yeah. So and we we, we we've basically
1: Nazis. summarized every news story now. <laughs> every online news All story. Right. It's going to start with what we think are facts and then more analysis slash opinion. And then we're going to start with the comments, basically critiquing what the opinions are. And then yada, 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 Russian bot.
0: All right. We can check that <laughs> box and move on. <laughs> Uh, all right. So what else have we been up to um, or what else are we looking at? Uh, you've been cleaning up uh, some language stuff on courses and now you're moving into some new exciting areas with some of your courses, Some new titles.
1: Uh, yes. The new title. Fall protection. Thank you. Fall protection. Uh, I'm going to be starting on that shortly. And hopefully that'll be out by the end of the summer, September. Um, I haven't done anything on it yet.
0: No, but we have a sense of the, I guess, the problem we want to solve with that, which is that there are fall, uh, fall protection or fall arrest or working at heights requirements in a variety of jurisdictions across North America. And we'll certainly want to cover that. But those are also very generic. And a lot of the focus of those courses are things like roofers and siding people and sort of general warehouse workers and everything under the sun. Whereas the transportation segment has its own specific things as well. Like a a roofer has very different requirements than somebody who is a tanker driver who needs to climb up on top of the tank or a flatbed operator who's got to climb up on top of their load to tarp it properly. So we recognize that there's kind of a gap there. Even if you went and got a generic fall arrest course, to cover your uh, requirements is not really going to tell you everything that you need. So that's kind of what we want to do here, much like you did with fire safety, right. which I thought was really cool, is not just fire triangle, here's how to use a fire extinguisher. It was, okay, here's what you're going to deal with on the road. What about tire fires? What about engine fires? What about things like that? And warehouse specific things as well. So it became very industry focused and I thought that was a really very cool way of doing it. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what you come up with for this because I think it's going to be awesome.
1: Thank you. I um yeah I'm doing that. I'm also I'm doing some translation. So there's a bunch of Spanish and a bunch of French that's going to be coming out. I've been updating the hours of service courses, uh, the endless updates of hours of service. Um, but I think winter driving is coming in Spanish. We are also going to have.
0: The fuel course. The fuel
1: course is coming in Spanish. We have that in French already. Yep. And there's something else in French that we were doing. Oh, vehicle inspection. Yes. So vehicle inspection. And I think I talked about that already, that that, that's being worked on. It's big. It's a big, big course. So uh,
0: I'm doing the voiceover for that next week.
1: Yeah. Well, not you personally. Well, you're recording it. You're recording someone else with a nicer voice. I'm reconfiguring
0: this room. (laughs) So that Denis can come and do the uh, voice.
1: And so we'll do that. And then, uh, so there, and then I've just been doing a lot of fixes to Mm. things. So a lot of bugs that are in the courses I've been fixing. Um, there is some French I got to clean up, uh, right now today, I'm actually working on cleaning up the French straight truck Mm. defensive driving courses, which, um, they're pretty like the cool courses have been around for a long time, so they do need they do need a little bit of uh, TLC. The older courses that we have, we usually go get back to at some point, and we'll do a refresh of them.
0: That's fun. And one
1: of those is is defensive driving for straight truck in French, very specific.
0: Yeah, well, it's funny that you mentioned that because, um, and I think I wrote about this in an, in an article uh, a month or two ago about how every time we go back to these courses we find things that we hate that we want to change. Yes. And it's the same thing on the learning management side. Every time I log into my system, I find 50 things that I hate and I want to change them. it's like, you are just never satisfied. But one thing that I hear uh, from new customers that come in that are mostly customers that are coming from other systems are that they like the fact that our content is fresh and doesn't look dated and, I think that's great. Uh, I'm really happy that they that they like that and they think it's uh, current and it, it doesn't look really old. But I'm scratching my head because I look at it and go, yeah, but... I hate that particular picture <laughs> or, you know, we were talking to this morning about it. some of these pictures that, uh, you know, there's in the defensive driving course, we've got pictures of four wheelers and doing dumb things. And the people that we use for that, there's like a kid in a car seat. Well, that kid is now graduating university <laughs> probably next year. So, uh, you know, it's like, ah, oh, how can you think this is fresh? I mean, it's
1: but it's know. back of the it's backstage or back of the house front of the house, right exactly so yes, what we see we see the we, we see, it, see
0: it from the backstage area, yeah, and we just see all the things that we don't like. we, we don't see the see.
1: hamburger being made. <laughs> we don't see the patties that are all nicely arranged and formatted perfectly, yeah. so or not perfectly, but we are in endeavoring to always make it better so one of the things that i want to do is uh do a refresh of all the defensive driving courses mm-hmm. and get some better animation redo like add some things that should have been added um make it a little bit more comprehensive there are things like that i need to add like um turning right on a green which is not allowed in quebec on a green sorry on a red yeah which isn't not allowed in Quebec, but it is allowed. I don't know if it's Quebec or it's just Montreal. No,
0: but in the rest of Canada
1: it is, you know what in advanced Grill, the different versions of advanced greens. Mm-hmm. I saw, oh, this is this was kind of freaking me out, where I, when I was in driving in South Carolina, they actually have an advanced green arrow, so it's the arrow. Mm-hmm. But they it starts flashing yellow.
0: Oh, before it before closes. it,
1: but yeah, which is really weird, and then sometimes it just starts flashing yellow again, <laughs> so there was a couple of times where I was like, "Oh, I can go, I think I'm gonna just assume that I can go now, I have uh. never seen that before, yeah. so that's that's what I mean by like. Just things that are like you feel like you're in a you're in a very mm. different country than the U.S. Even though we're very familiar well, with yeah, it. Well, yeah,
0: different states have different ways of of doing that. I always find it funny when you're talking about uh, Quebec uh, laws. I always find it funny when I go there and their traffic lights are on their side. Uh, they're not up and down with the red at the top and the green at the bottom. They're horizontal. They're kind of European style.
1: Oh, that's right.
0: So there but are don't you really find
1: when you're in Quebec, sometimes you feel like you're in a foreign country.
0: Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel like I'm. I was
1: I was talking to a translator that I was, um, I'm looking at switching translators for our Spanish courses. And I was talking to someone who was in the U.S. And I was asking her, you know, because we have to translate this fuel course. Well, in Canada, there's French and English sometimes on the actual gas pumps. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, do they have Spanish on the gas pumps? Like if you have a real prominent predominantly Spanish-speaking area, speaking area, would you have Spanish on the gas pumps? Hmm. And she said, no, but the signs, like the other signs, like please yeah. pay inside would be.
0: Yeah, the pump equipment that comes from some other manufacturer is not going to be customized like that. It's going to be in English, but all of the signs that are printed on site or by the gas station chain or whatever. Those things could be.
1: But the gas station chain has their own branding.
0: True. So yeah, they're, true. so it's the franchise.
1: Yeah. So what would they want to yeah, do? Yeah,
0: They'll do some stuff that matches their local area.
1: But I find it also a little weird because i'm updating all this happens all the time where i have links to government websites for (laughs) further information yeah and they rearrange their pages all the time Yeah, transport canada is the worst
0: why do they have to reorganize all their pages every quarter like what are they doing
1: they're reorgan. i think it's another version of are how you know you know when you've been around a long time and you change your organizational practices because new things happen like sure. like for example we had flash mo- movies yeah in everything yep. and so i always had movies or i had all my flash organized into in a certain way and then when we stopped using flash i had to start organizing everything a different way and i use different and different languages also require different folder structures and things like that so i can see that as because their stuff is very old too i mean they've Mm. they've had a website going on for a really long time so i'm sure that they've changed their technology i can
0: see an update every year or two but it's a couple times a year it's like somebody's entire job is to think of a new way to organize stuff twice a year and then do it
1: yeah possibly i don't um what it looks like to me is that they're consolidating things. Mm. So I had in, in the TDG course I had all of these links to um these documents that were like uh, for example ship- shipping documents there was a link there's a like a sort of an FAQ or or a short document on the Transport Canada website that has all kinds of information about shipping documents. And that was new. Those were, they had never existed before. So mm. they had to find a place to right. put them. They were bulletin. They're called bulletins. And you could download the bulletin, but then they moved where that bulletin is located. So they're all located together now. I don't think they're going to go, they're going to change that much now. So it's, you know, you just kind of have to, I, we have to figure out a process for link changes. Yeah. But what I noticed, and I'm kind of gone off topic, but what I noticed about link changes we're doing links is that I'm doing Spanish and I've got links to American, uh, federal government websites. And I keep looking for the little button that says Spanish <laughs> for Espanol yeah. and it's never there. Yeah, we have that. it on the gov- on our government websites. There's always a Francais button yeah. and you can just have it in French. Well, and- it's an
0: official language.
1: I know it's an yeah. official language but when you're when you're working in languages yeah, all the time you're like okay where's the button oh mm. there's no button mm. and it, it there's sometimes stuff in Spanish but in the in general not really it's just too bad but i mean there's a whole like subcategory of people who just translate mm-hmm. Because of the official language status that French has, especially in course development, because in Canada when you develop a course, it's got to be in French too for a lot of mm-hmm. companies. If you're a large company, if you operate in Quebec, or if you're a government, um, if if you're part of the government, then you have to have it in French. So mm-hmm. most course developers, yeah, are pretty familiar with that. Huh. Sorry, was no. that a tangent, or you, uh, Did I? Like- I
0: don't even remember what the question was.
1: We were talking about translation. I was talking about translation. Oh,
0: course. Yeah, new coursework. Ah, okay. Very good. You stumped me. I'm off thinking about websites and translation and government sites now, which actually is not that far off of what I've been buried in for the past month, which is the updates to this is getting into the weeds a little bit, the certification program for long combination vehicles in Ontario. So in Ontario, um, you can run two 53 foot trailers in a long combination or LCV. Um, And in order to do that, there's particular certification requirements. Uh, Instructors have to be certified. Drivers have to be trained by a certified instructor and then, Uh, get their own certification, and the program is changing. Um, There are several things that are changing. The program is officially run by the Ontario Trucking Association, and uh, it's run through our system. So there's a number of things that are changing, and we've been working on updating the system to accommodate those. But it was already possibly the most complex workflow that I had seen. And it's now even more complicated just because of the number of different ways that somebody may come into the system, the number of different ways to get qualification. They have reciprocity with some different provinces and it works in different ways, depending on where you're from and where your license is from may contribute to it. And sort of that whole stream is ending up to be very complicated Um, And not just the initial registration, but there's a a renewal as well uh, for both drivers and uh, instructors. And the instructor renewal has a bunch of different criteria to it. So it is a hugely complex program. Um, And there's also different prices based on whether or not you're a member of the OTA. So that has to be factored in. All of that's been uh, getting worked on and uh, looks like we're targeting an early August go live now. So the coding is nearly finished, but after we're finished that, I've got one or two things left to test. But it looks like it's in. My confidence is pretty good now. That's that a I've good been going example. It.
1: It's a good example of systems that are older that have gotten increasingly complex and have to change. And yeah. sometimes you just want to gut them and start again.
0: Well, that's exactly what I want to do because I look at this thing and there's a, a lot of stuff that I've listed to be changed uh, by developers that wasn't really part of the spec. It was just kind of dumb uh, or is unnecessary because it started as a pilot project and it evolved over time. And there's a lot of stuff that's in there from the beginning. The rules changed quite a bit over the years. It's now been nine years since the pilot started uh, originally. So uh, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't apply, that's kind of old, outdated things that nobody uses. And I'm trying to do uh, like um, housekeeping on that and clean up some of the things... You know, it it also, it's a system that was designed in two thousand and nine, and web systems do not look the way they did in two thousand and nine. So I want to change all of that. Some of it we've been able to change, but I would really love to just sort of gut the thing and start fresh because I think a lot of the complexity is the fact that it was an older design with a whole pile of things shoehorned in to fit. And that's what makes it really complicated. When you go to do a registration, there's so many different rules about if you choose this, then show these fields and uh, otherwise show these other fields. And in some cases, things are required. In some cases, they're not. It ends up being crazy. So I would love to just gut it, but there's just not budget for it. I mean, already uh, I added up the amount of development time we've put into this thing. And it's in the hundreds of hours per developer. Uh, so it's been a massive project. And even when we're finished our coding part of it, which I think, um, if you know, I, I think there's a couple of odds and ends, I think is going to be done early next week, um, which will be nearly six weeks before go live. Uh, but still all the manuals, the documentation has to be updated, which it, it, they had to wait for the system to be finished because they're taking screenshots and things. They've got to communicate uh, to the uh, to all the people that are in the program. There's a lot of changes to the existing data that need to happen. So we're going to need to have a go-live plan there that updates things, um, a lot of stuff that's going on. And of course, you don't want to have things going live when developers are on vacation or when uh, OTA is off or something like that. So you've got to plan around that stuff as well. So it is uh, is a massive project that is slowly but surely coming to its conclusion. Uh, and I will be very happy <laughs> to see it finished. Uh, but my next task will be kind of figuring out um, what we can take from this project to put into the core system that will be of benefit to other people.
1: Well, that's what the advantages of doing all of these. They kind of are not our core business, but doing some of these kind of um, adjunct projects are good because it pushes our system forward Absolutely. for sure.
0: Yeah. And this is, I, I think I mentioned on a past um, podcast, but this is sort of the genesis of our event management, the genesis of certification management and some other pieces there. Some of the workflow has found its way into other things. And one of my other summer projects is going through our core system and giving it uh, an update functional update as well it's been a few years since we went live with that and uh, we've had tweaks and things but it's kind of ready for a larger overhaul and i want to consider what we're doing with the lcv program what we're doing with some other certification programs uh, because we do get requests for that kind of functionality in the core system so how can we integrate these things in a way that's going to be user friendly uh, for all of our customers, but also give them the power um, to have this these options. Um, so that's stuff that I'm working on from a design point of view. Um, have
1: we got our, speaking of design, have we got our icons yet? Our new?
0: They haven't gone live. Oh, okay. Um, because it's also, it's not just updated icons. It's all of the other, I don't know what to really call it. It's, it's sort of interface, but it's fonts layout, sizing, uh, borders, colors, all of those things are being updated along with the icons. Um, and so we've got a few things that we need to do, um, to finish that before it can go live. But that actually ties into the LCV stuff too, because it's the new LCV program uses the new icons.
1: Oh, does it?
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. It is, uh, often a bit of a, a minefield when you're working on multiple projects at a time and they Mm -hmm. they go for long periods. Um, you've got issues with code dependencies and things like that that get to be complicated.
1: Oh, don't I know it?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, that's what we're working on. Um, and continuing to staff up, continuing to bring on new developers as we can because we have a long list of new projects for them. And the one big, exciting project, um, that I think we need to come up with a, a good name for, but right now we're calling it driver follow up management or outreach management. I like outreach management, but I know you hate that. Uh, well,
1: it's not really my thing, so I mean you can call it whatever you like. You can call it Guinan.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: You like it? It's now code called name it. Guinan. Okay. So for anybody who does not no, watch, anybody
0: who does not know.
1: Who Guinan is? Go find out on your own. Well, it's spelled G U I N A N. -N. Yes. It's Whoopi Goldberg.
0: Stop giving them information. Anybody listening to the podcast should know that. And if they don't know, they can go find out. I don't. So I'm going to watch an episode with Guinan. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And finally, I made up a name. Yeah. I made up a code name for a project.
0: Yeah. Very good. Very good. But it is a, a set of new functions in our system to really help people um follow up with drivers after training or do some kind of outreach whether you send them an email or a call or a text message or whatever that's kind of up to you but uh what the system is going to do is flag people that are in a situation that warrants a follow up so it may be that somebody has gone through some courses and struggled maybe they ultimately were successful but they still struggled and those are good people that uh, should be getting a follow-up call to just check in and see how things are going and make sure that they do understand it and it's clear Um, the second type are situations where there's something a little suspicious about the activity Uh, we are monitoring that we track a lot of data so that we can flag things that are a little bit suspicious uh, but the third one is also just kind of a random thing. Um, some number of people that randomly get called on a regular basis. So even.
1: That kind of ties back to our calling management, calling drivers. Exactly. Like a handful and that of was, drivers. That was part of how it came to be the idea.
0: Yes. That was one of my thoughts in that is that even if you don't really have people that are struggling or suspicious, um there's still here's a system that's going to randomly flag some drivers every week or every month whatever you like um and point out that they should be getting a call and not just flag them for that call but also provide a mechanism to track the activity so you know you get a list of people that are um due for a follow up and when you do that follow up and check in with them um you can track what happened It may be that you, you know, you looked at it because there's somebody who seemed to be struggling and you've already dealt with it. So you just make a note that, oh, already talked to him about this problem solved, whatever, or it can be called and had a discussion about ABC, whatever the case may be. So that kind of flags those people. But there's also a mechanism for manually creating them so that um, in a situation where you have an impromptu discussion with a driver, a little tailgate talk or something like that, you can track that. And then you've got a much more complete history of driver activity. So we already have the online pieces. We've got document management through uploading content and things like that. Um, We've got classroom management. So you can really have a complete history of every interaction that the driver had. And now you can also add into that um, all of the conversations that happened. So I've been working on the design of that and got some people that are busily coding it. So uh, I am very excited to see how that plays out. And that's targeted for end of summer. Um, Actually, the coding is nearly finished now. But what we'll need to do is run it kind of silently in the background for a couple of months and just track what it comes up with so that we can (laughs) refine the rules. So what,
1: what kind of information gets sucked out?
0: Yeah, we want to make sure that we're capturing stuff accurately so that we're not flagging people who are struggling when they're really not, or flagging suspicious things that are actually legitimate. So I know there's going to be a couple of months of, of going around on that and just refining it. Um, So that's, uh, that's going to be an ongoing project, but we are aiming to be live with that. I'm going to say somewhere in the September timeframe. Cool. So uh, that's keeping us very busy. Um, And that's, I think going to be it for me. Got anything else? No. Nope, All right. I'm talked out. <laughs> and with that, we will come to the end of our podcast season and uh, we will uh, pick this back up in the fall. Yeah. Have a good summer, everybody.
1: Me too.